Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. As consumer interest in plant-based products has grown in recent years, so too have products proudly proclaiming their status as such, with everything ranging from mock meat and milk to bags of chips and boxes of cookies to minimally processed grains and even whole fruits and vegetables making the call out. The term is so ubiquitous that at times it verges on ridiculous. But it's also highly lucrative, with most plant-based categories growing in the high double, if not triple digits, over the past three years, making it an understandably go-to claim. Unfortunately, the trendy callout is also a source of confusion and as an extension, contention, in large part because it isn't clearly defined. According to new research from FMI, the Food Industry Association, consumers, brands, retailers, and even regulators all apply different descriptors, values, and parameters to the term plant-based, making it difficult to know how best to meet demand without misleading shoppers or running afoul of regulatory standards. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, FMI Senior Director of Health and Wellbeing and Registered Dietitian Crystal Register shares insights from the group's inaugural report, The Power of Plant-Based Foods and Beverages, that was released last week to help retailers and manufacturers better understand the diverse views on eating preferences, nutrition, health, sustainability, and other topics related to quote-unquote plant-based. She also shares strategies and next steps for brands and retailers as the plant-based space continues to grow and evolve. So, like most of FMI's Power of Category reports, which include the power of meat, seafood, and produce, Register explains that the new power of plant-based foods and beverages is an engaging and insightful report that draws on multiple levels of research with help from Motive Base and Nielsen IQ. But, Register notes, one big difference between this report and the other power of reports is this one doesn't begin with an overview of the market and key sales metrics. Because unlike meat or seafood or produce, Plant-based products cut across categories, making it just as difficult to measure as define. Any way you slice plant-based, though, one thing is clear. A lot of consumers are actively engaged in the space and seeking out options. We decided to take on this project at FMI, recognizing the growing interest from consumers in the food industry, but also Um, recognizing interest from our retailer members and our product supplier members, too. So we felt it was really important to literally explore everything under the plant-based umbrella just to get, you know, a good snapshot in time of what's really going on, what are consumers thinking, what are retailers thinking. Um, um, We really wanted to conduct this comprehensive, as I said, review of the plant-based topic broadly, addressing naturally plant-based foods, such as fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains, along with alternatives to traditional animal-derived items. Um, and really, this, this included 
consumer survey. It included individual consumer interviews. Um, we included interviews with our retail members and some product supplier members. A lot of um, registered dietitians were included. And then we also did a digital ethnography study as part of it. So along with our, our research, we, um, we did this report in collaboration with Nielsen IQ, um, which was really interesting because there we could look at some sales data. So in terms of the sales data for plant-based foods and beverages, um, Nielsen IQ provide this broader perspective. The Nielsen IQ categories didn't quite um, match the same ones, but really using when they used an attribute plant-based stated, Nielsen IQ estimated the broader plant-based market to be $9.7 billion for the 52 weeks ending uh, June 11th of this year. So again, remembering that doesn't even include those general naturally plant-based categories that I mentioned. So we're talking about a huge um, segment of the industry here. Really, I think an interesting note is that to start with, our analysis found nearly half of shoppers, um, it's 42%, are putting either a lot or some effort into selecting plant-based foods or beverages in all those categories. Um, more than 40% of shoppers at least occasionally eat a meat, dairy, or seafood alternative. Um, but, but there, what we saw was that dairy alternative sales are more than twice those of the meat alternative sales. And the plant-based foods that are most likely to be regularly consumed by shoppers are those naturally plant-based foods, like fruits and vegetables, um, that came in at 75%, and beans, uh, nuts, and grains at 47%. With numbers like that, it's no wonder plant-based has become such a popular marketing buzzword, and why, in the absence of a clear definition, Many brands and retailers are desperate to better understand how consumers think about and define plant-based. According to FMI's research, consumers' most frequent association with plant-based was healthy. But after that description, the values and attributes that shoppers tie to the term varied widely. One of the most interesting pieces of this entire report to me um, really is our digital ethnography piece. So this is just fascinating, and it allows us to take a closer look at these longer-form conversations that people across the country are having in the digital space. Um, so this is completed by um, artificial intelligence anthropologists. Uh, this particular report was completed for us by MotiveBase, and it really looks at consumer motivations and attitudes, their values and fears, like, why are they interested in plant-based and what really are their expectations? So this digital ethnography report indicates that over 30 million consumers really are engaged broadly in this culture of plant-based. Um, and I'd encourage anyone who grabs the report to dive into this. Um, there's a few pages specific to the digital ethnography, but really what it shows is that plant-based remains in this early consensus stage on a maturity curve. So consumers really are not on the same page and contentions exist and consumers still have questions about the real benefits. And basically the question asked was, um, you know, what one word or phrase comes to mind when you think of plant-based foods? And shoppers who were surveyed most frequently mentioned the word healthy, um, which, which I think makes good sense. Um, and then other, other associated 
words were vegan and vegetarian, but then organic and natural popped up. Um, and that, that, that to me is pretty interesting because that, that indicates from my perspective, again, as a registered dietitian, um, plant-based products are not always organic. So that's an interesting connection for consumers to be making with that one word trigger. Um, and, and again, some other shoppers thought of plant-based foods as good, where some we saw were a little bit more negative, citing words such as tasteless or expensive or fake. Um, we even saw nasty and yuck on there, which um, you know were a little bit surprising, but really there were a few that associated the plant-based foods with meat, um, looking at that alternative kind of category and, and some of the branded products, so impossible and beyond actually came up in the word cloud as well. Consumers are not alone in their confusion about what plant-based means or the words used to describe these products. In fact, the extent to which plant-based products can use the same names or descriptions as their animal counterparts is being hotly debated, and FDA has yet to weigh in. Although Register notes, industry may get some answers before the year is out. There is no regulatory definition for plant-based. Um, and, you know, all joking aside, we could label in the grocery store, we could label the soda aisle plant-based, right? So sugar itself is plant-based. So that obviously is not the direction we want to head. Um, but but that I think that example maybe alludes to the, the complexity of just defining plant-based, right? And um, it is also important to note that FDA is in the process of developing guidance documents around the lab labeling of various plant-based products. So FDA has indicated that it expects to publish draft guidance addressing the labeling of both plant-based milk alternatives and plant-based alternatives to other animal-derived foods by the end of this year, so by the end of December 2022. And, you know, it's not possible to know exactly what will be included in these guidance documents, um, but we will have opportunity to comment. These, you know, these will go out in public space, and um, based on past requests for comments, we would expect that they might focus on terms that are frequently used interchangeably. Um, I think milk is a good example, and, and there are standards of identity for products in the market. Um, so I think another great example with seeing plant-based seafood pop up when we see a shrimp or a crab cake. And, you know, I've even heard stories from, again, from neighbors and friends even who thought they were buying chicken nuggets and actually bought a, a, a non-animal derived chicken nugget because the label just says chicken nugget, um, but might include plant-based. So we will see um, more to come. And I would, I would assume that if we were having this same conversation and approaching this same type of research, even just one year from now, it might be a whole lot easier to do because we might have some more clear, clear cut categories um, and clear cut definitions. Ultimately, what a product is called isn't its primary driver for most consumers. Rather, Register said, it's how it fits into their diet and lifestyle, and of course, how it tastes. When looking at consumers' um, overall approaches to eating. So um, the top most common when we ask this question of consumers, you know, which approach to eating are you currently using? The top, top most common ones are heart-healthy, um, followed very closely by plant-based. So those two um, rise to the top. And, 
it's interesting to see um, how many other approaches to eating, if you will, that I see in alignment with a plant-based approach that might be more of a flexitarian um, approach. This would be even Mediterranean. Um, people indicate a whole foods plan or plant forward. And even following the dietary guidelines and flexitarian, those, those are all on this same chart, um, each picking up, you know, six, about 6% in terms of response rate. It, which is interesting that, that at the end of the day, it almost seems like those could also fall into this broader definition of a plant-based diet that includes um, more foods from plants and smaller amounts, if you will, of animal products. Again, there's no solid definition, definition even of a plant-based diet. So for some, that does mean vegetarian or veganism. Um, but others, you know, it maybe just means that, you know, by, for the most part, my diet's based in plants, but I'm going to include um, small portions of animal-based products. So um, what came, one of the areas that came out of this, one of the identified microcultures out of the digital ethnography was about optimizing plant-based nutrition and the plant-based diet piece where consumers were really talking about whole food, plant-based eating and real foods like chickpeas and lentils and leafy greens. But they're still curious about those nutrition components, about getting protein and minerals um, and especially vitamin B12. And it, just this, this interesting, uh, you know, a few other notes on the digital ethnography, consumers are interested in keeping it natural, but they're recognizing that there's a balance between some of the additives and processing and the taste that they seek, you know, fewer ingredients and minimal um, stabilizers. And, and again, taste always seems to win there. FMI's research also revealed that how consumers rank these values and define plant-based also varies tremendously by age, with younger shoppers, particularly millennials, showing a greater inclination than Gen X or baby boomers to select plant-based options. They also tend to live in larger households with at least three people and have household incomes of at least 100000 as well as higher weekly grocery spend in the range of 184 versus 163 So as popular as plant-based products are, they are not for everyone. FMI found that some consumers say they never want to try them, Another said that while they tried them once or twice, they were put off because they didn't taste right or for a variety of other reasons. For shoppers who've not tried animal product alternatives, again, taste was the number one reason shoppers stated. And if we think about this, it's kind of funny because that means it's totally reliant on a preconceived notion about taste. Right? It's like when you're trying to get a, a toddler maybe to try a new food and they, they will tell you, I, I don't like that. <laughs> you don't know whether you like it or not unless you've tried it. So it's very interesting that, that um, consumers who said, I'm not trying that, they base, they, their reason stated is taste. But maybe another, um, we don't know, but maybe on the flip side of the coin there is that maybe their preference for the animal-derived counterpart is based on taste as well. So they may actually, um, you know, prefer the animal counterpart, and that's part of their, you know, nutrition and food are personal for so many reasons, and certainly taste and familiarity are, are one. According to the report, cost is another significant stumbling block for about a third of consumers who tried meat and dairy alternatives but decided not to continue buying them. 
Other factors lower on the list include products having too many ingredients, their appearance, quality, or not being as nutritious as expected. While conflict and confusion are often uncomfortable, Register notes that when it comes to plant-based, they can also highlight opportunities for retailers and brands to improve product innovation, merchandising, and marketing, which ultimately, if handled correctly, could boost sales across the store. Key next steps for the food industry, it really includes pushing shoppers to further explore plant-based foods and beverages. Um, a little bit on reconsidering the placement of these products based on some of the insights we heard from consumers. Um, And then also, I think just in general, to help consumers better understand the nutrition and the health piece um, as part of the education. And then again, delivering on taste. And with shoppers focused on personalized and different eating patterns, that emphasize plant-based foods and beverages, it looks like the trajectory here is, you know, kind of satisfying the needs of both consumers that are looking to increase their consumption of plants for nutrition and health reasons, but then also looking to help consumers um, who want to find substitutes or swaps, let's say if they're trying to reduce their consumption of, of meat or saturated fat or dairy. But, you know, at the end of the day, the goal remains the same, you know, to, to really help improve public health, to eliminate confusion, um, to provide clear and, and truthful labeling on, on products. Um, but really, the challenge, I think, for both retailers and manufacturers to help educate shoppers about plant-based foods and beverages is really, you know, helping them experiment, you know, but supporting um, their, their personal, again, personal goals to improve health. And, and again, it's that delivering on taste. And, and I don't know if a specific example would help, but maybe it's providing a black bean sweet potato quinoa recipe or a cooking demo or a little video. Or, but maybe the flip side is showing how to use one of these alternatives, and even an alternative burger, if you will, or patty to throw on the grill, but then offering how to complete the, the meal. Um, consumers we know are looking for meal solutions. So I, you know, I see this, there, there's, there's great room to grow and evolve right along with consumers, um, meet them where they are. And, you know, it's, it's a wonderful mix of education and, you know, meal and snack solutions. And just, you know, we know consumers, another reason, they're just curious. Too. So um, trial, um, again, is going to hinge on taste. As we've discussed today, the extent of consumer demand and confusion around plant-based space is vast. And while no one has all the answers, FMI has a lot in its new report, The Power of Plant-Based Foods and Beverages, which listeners can find at www.fmi.org backslash power of plant dash based. Additional resources are also available at FMI's website through its health and well-being industry topics page, which provides nutrition and health information, and the previously mentioned power of reports, which Register says are nice complements to this report to provide a fuller and more robust picture of what's happening in the market. With that, we reach the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again for another installment. 
And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.